Hello, my name is Mark Chalmers, and I'm president and CEO of Energy Fuels. And Energy Fuels is a unique company, and I don't actually think there's anybody that's it. We don't have a peer group for Energy Fuels because our focus on critical materials, uh, particularly uranium and vanadium and rare earths, uh, is really unmatched in the world if you're looking at an investment in energy fuels. Uh, we're in the United States and we're further ahead in, in just about all those categories than anybody else. So it's, it's my pleasure to, to give you an update on our company. Mark, good to see you, buddy. Um, we we kind of caught up with you and uh, Constantine on the, on the on the Neo uh, JV that's going on there a couple couple of weeks ago. I think that was um, that was a really nice deep dive into what you're trying to do on the rare earth side. But I want to kind of keep it a bit broader uh, today, if I may. Uh, first of all, well done, two billion dollar Canadian uh, market cap, uh, not a bad milestone. Yeah, look at every milestone like that is appreciated. So, um, but you know, Matt, as you know, we've got we've got you know, big plans uh, ahead. So we hope that's just one of many when we start clipping off these billion dollar uh, milestones because, you know, the world is thirsty for critical elements right now and never in the last several decades, matter of fact, in my whole career, uh, can I think of a time where people are waking up to the fact that we become overly dependent uh, on a number of countries around the world that are political foes and, and, uh, so look at um, interesting times. Well, let, 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 we'll get into that in, in, in a second, but let, let, I, want to, I want to start off um, if I can with just basically the um, you, you announced the 2021 uh, results. You made a profit first time in a, in a long time. Um, so I guess that that's positive. You got cash in the balance sheet. You got inventory. You got um, marketable securities. It's the balance sheet looks strong. So I mean, you must be pleased with it with uh, that announcement. Yeah, I think in the history of energy fuels and even going back into the days when it was a private company, I don't think we've ever had this strong of a balance sheet. Yeah, I think we surprised people that we, we, we posted a profit. Now, that was largely because we monetized some non-core assets. Uh, but uh, yeah, with the inventories and the values of uranium, vanadium going up, uh, the marketable securities, our cash position, uh, yeah, we're very, very pleased with where we are right now because we're fully funded going forward for the next year or two without any problems at all. Okay. Well, look, let, let's go back to what you touched on a second ago, which obviously um, around the critical uh, minerals list. So those are, I've been around a long time and people didn't really pay attention to them because, you know, if you needed them, you went out in the open market and you bought them. Recent events, uh, Russian sanctions have changed the makeup in the market, people suddenly realize perhaps what you were talking about with the um, uh, the two three two when we were dealing with that a couple of, couple of years ago. Um, what what you mean? And it's starting to hit home. It's it's affecting prices of the commodities. It's, it's um, you know in a high inflation um, market. It's it's getting tight out there. So I mean, obviously, it's great for companies like yourself. Uh, not so great for the man on the street, but um, how do how do you take advantage of this situation? How do you how do you play this market given where you're at at the moment? Carefully, <laughs> right? Look, look. I think that um, uh, the world is in a pickle right now. I mean, I think the world uh, is finally realizing again how dependent we are on a number of these critical um, minerals and other materials that, 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 that we've been receiving from some of these countries like Russia and China. Uh, the way we're trying to, to go forward is just step by step uh, and being part of the solution. 
to, to advance our activities as quickly as we can, as cost competitively as we can. Uh, yeah, this inflationary environment we are in um, is, is going to catch people off on guard too. It, it, you know, prices of everything are going up. And, and then you have this pinch point of, uh, you know, shortages of supplies. And, you know, a lot of things don't work. If like you, you don't have gasoline in your car, it doesn't work if it's a it's petroleum car. So, so yeah, we, we are going to, you know, and I've always used this phrase, you know, be aggressive, but not reckless. Uh, have our strong balance sheet, uh, look for opportunities, uh, you know, opportunistically uh, to fill in the voids on what we do on all these critical materials that we are either currently producing or will be producing in the near term. Okay, you're positioning yourself as a kind of critical minerals hub with a white mesa mill at the epicenter, right? I get that. But it's worth kind of breaking down the, the different commodities and how you play them because they're slightly different markets, right? So clearly you, you frame yourself also as uh, US's number one uranium producer, right? So yeah. what's happening out there at the moment? I'm intrigued by what's happening in terms of your view on these Russian sanctions and how they play out because I think as yet, Rosatomprom have not been sanctioned um, you know, with, with regards to the enriched uranium. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how that plays out in the next few weeks um, and how the, how the U.S. is hoping to kind of fill the gap should it put sanctions uh, on, on Russian or Russian-associated Russian, Russian uh, uranium. Yeah. Well, you know, it's no secret that, like on uranium, that the U.S. utilities and and lots of utilities around the world have become dependent on uh, Russian material um, uh, in different shapes and forms, including Kazakh material. So, uh, you know, as I said, we're in this pickle and um, we want to help be a part of the solution. But it's, it's, it's you know, there, there's these different steps. You know, you've got, you've got the uranium supply, you've got the conversion and the enrichment that all have to fit together. And um, the world, um, you know, needs to have all three of those steps Otherwise, you know, you don't have the supply chain established in terms of the uranium nuclear products. So, you know, we are, um, you know, getting ready to uh, be in a position to restart uh, really soon. Uh, you know, some of our projects, uh, we are uh, actively uh, letting uh, the utilities know that we want to be part of the solution to help them where we can. You know, we only have a certain amount of capacity uh, but we we certainly are established and have facilities that can come online um, in short order. And uh, so we're taking all those steps. But it isn't going to happen overnight because when you look at, you know, the the, the supply chain coming out of Russia and, and, and Kazakhstan, uh, you know, it took years to build that. And um, and and so you can't just turn the faucet off overnight. And, and, and we recognize that. So we don't want reactors to shut down. But we, we realize, and I think the utilities realize and the world realizes that we've become overly dependent. And so we have to start weaning ourselves off as quickly as we can. But so talk to me about your experience with uh, utilities recently, okay? Because I think it's, it's, it's a very sort of alarming situation for them. You know, they, we, we've been trying to work out how they think, what, you know, how they behave for the past two or three years. And it's been an absolute mystery. Right now, the, the Russia situation for them brings us into sharp uh, view um, the, 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 the kind of delicate balance in which the, this ecosystem, this small uranium sector uh, operates. You know, if 
if supply from Russia or associated uh, supply um, from from that part of the world is, is cut off, what does that do to their decision making? Because the U.S. has some, you've got a bunch of um, uranium uh, companies in the U.S. claiming to be able to get in, get into production at specific prices, right? And they've been able to see and talk that game. And while there was no danger of actually having to actually deliver it, because the spot price or term term price uh, contracts were nowhere near where the incentive price was. But now it's pretty darned close. Um, so. You and others are going to have to move and and, and say, well, right, um, we said we would. Now now is the time to do it. So, what does that path forward look like for you or some of the other U.S. players? You know, is it time to you know put up or shut up? Well, look, it. it I always, I've always said this. It's it's easier to talk about producing uranium than it is to actually do it. And you know, we have a long history of doing that. You know, I have a long history of doing that around the world. I mean, we're going to kind of look at it in a plank by plank uh, a fashion or basis. Uh, we have our inventories. We have some of alternate feed. Uh, we have other sources of feed uh, plus our mines. So uh, our our goal is to kind of to, to build up our production with a certain amount of contracts that make sense for us right now, um, and 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 get the flywheel going on our production assets. So. Uh, and, and we kind of look at it in sort of like uh, steps. So, you know, say in the order of like 500,000 pounds steps. So, you know, we're, we're ready to take that first step uh, to secure enough uh, contracts if we can that secure us on the downside and, and, and still make it profitable for us to open up a mine or two. Right. But two years ago, the market, as one, it seemed, was saying, right, we need $55, $60 Uranium. That's the level that we that's going to incentivize us to move forward. We're at that. What's changed? Inflation. <laughs> okay. Inflation is 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 really stirring the pot here on terms of what it's going to cost people to go into production. Yeah, we always said north of fifty uh, to sixty, and we really need sixty plus. Uh, you know, I think those goalposts are moving, and and uh, you know we can still do uh, you know some you know in those fifties. Uh, but it's changing. And so I, I, I think that the, the realization, and it's not just in the United States, it's, it's around the world where inflation is going to hit. I think people are going to have to add uh, another 10 or $20 a pound over time um, in the not too distant future um, to what their, their expectations, what their costs are because of inflation. So it's, um, it's dynamic, it's moving quickly. Uh, we're in a good position. But we're already seeing things like the cost of reagents going up. Certainly, the cost of fuel has gone up dramatically. The cost of people has gone up dramatically. There's shortages of materials. You know, if you can't get the materials you need uh, to put in an ISR project or a conventional mine or process things, you got a problem. Uh, but is this temporary? What's your, what's your take on it? Do prices ever go down? Uh, yeah. Look, look I, it is... You know, look, we hope it's temporary, you know, because the world can't just just perpetuate, you know, five, 10 percent inflation for 10 years. Now, maybe we can, but everything would have to adjust accordingly. So, you know, but it's certainly noticeable right now. And I think everybody is out there noticing inflation, you know, whether you're involved in the mining business or not. So do you think that we're going to see um, the utilities catch on to this fact or are you guys 
you producers uh, telling them this. You're saying, okay, the old number, that's gone. Inflation is means we need to add another 10 bucks to this thing to get me incentivized. I need 70, 75, 80 bucks now. Um, how are they going to react to that message? Well, I think they understand it. They know they're, they're feeling it. Everybody's feeling it. Okay. And, and I'm not saying that we have to have 75, 80 bucks um, for, for everything we're doing. But what I'm saying is if you've got new projects and you're trying to construct a new project right now, not just the inflation on your operating costs, you got inflation on your construction costs. So, so, you know, I think a number of people that are sitting there thinking that, you know, the numbers that they quoted two, three years ago um, are still valid. I, I think they need to relook at that because I think they're going to be shocked at how much it's changed. Well, I think I think that's for sure. We're seeing that across the board, not not just uranium, but um, you know, all, all commodities where people are having to redo feasibility studies, or then actually in some cases not not rushing to uh, put out the, their feasibility studies numbers because uh, it might shock the market. I think there's a nervousness with CEOs. Um, okay, so as far as you're, you're concerned, the utilities are fully cognizant of what's going on in, in in the marketplace. What's that done in terms of the level of conversations that you're having? Per se, I mean, I assume you're talking to utilities at the moment they're talking to you well uh, it's 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 much more active for 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 all the good reasons we know and um and you know and and you you touched on it that that you know the delta if you go back three four years ago the uranium prices spot price was twenty dollars or 22 23 and people were saying they needed 50 60 plus uh to go into production and um and now that gap is 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 almost non-existent you know it's 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 closed substantially and and uh so i think that you know they understand and and this this is a different world we're operating in too you know when the when you look at the focus on like esg and and um you know your 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 corporate responsibilities and how shareholders look at that so you know it's pretty hard uh you know for you to be dealing with a you know other countries that are that are causing you know you know real havoc in the world right now and killing people and, and being dependent on that same country to provide you a big material amount of your, your, your fuel. But as I said, we are where we are. We are there to work with on, on, you know, our customers wherever we can to try to help, um, you know, bridge this, this sort of troubling period we're in right now as, as, as a world. But what, what do you mean by that? You're here to help. Um, you've got product that they want. You're not offering discounts here, right? You're just saying, we want to have a conversation about the best way of delivering what you need. I mean, is, is that what you're saying? I'm trying yeah, to yeah, we're not trying. We're not trying. We're trying to look at what it, you know, what it costs us to go back into production. Um, you know, we want to make money. We're not going to do it for free or at a, at a loss. And And how do we get there? So, you know, it's we, we just want to have a fair outcome for for both parties, but at the same time, uh, you know, like I said, we want to kind of build this in, you know, on the uranium space, sort of like in these five hundred thousand pound kind of increments per year, um, and then we can kind of look at and that that's the thing that we have the luxury of is we have multiple projects, so so we can kind of look at it in, in steps, and we also don't have large you know capital construction cost loads. Uh, to put on top of that, so so we're just kind of just building the the the, the steps as we go, uh, based on you know what the market looks like and and what type of commercial arrangements we can achieve you know 
at each of those steps. Okay, so let's let's kind of look at some of the other commodities here because they, again, bring it back to it. You are positioning yourself as the critical minerals hub for the US of A. Okay, that that that's everything spirals out from that. So we, we we've talked about uranium. It's a fairly fluid situation um, at the moment with uranium. Sorry, uranium. Um, and we, I guess we'll we'll talk over the next you know few weeks and months about you know how that plays out. Vanadium, interesting one. Vanadium, you've got you've got vanadium inventory. You've got the ability um, to, to um, you know uh, to to produce more. We've seen, and we talked to a few companies in the space. We talked to vanadium companies, mine, mining vanadium miners, and they are finding themselves having to move downstream to kind of cap, try and capture more of the value on this, um, you know, um, uh, VRFB battery uh, uh, technology, which people are. Looking to the future for in terms of energy storage and you know being able to um, have you know longer term storage of, of energy and you know um, and, and manage energy distribution etc. So that's seems to be a conversation we're having. We're hearing more and more. You've done you're doing something similar in the rare earth space, and, and we'll talk about it in a second because you know we, we we kind of got a good session with you a couple of weeks ago, but. Are you looking at optionalities around the vanadium, or is this to just sell it into the, you know, I don't know, rebar or stainless steel, uh, you know, where, where wherever you can sell it? Do you want to try and capture value further downstream, or is that just a step too far at the moment? Yeah, well, we're we're capturing some of that value right now, and in, in our financials, we said that we're looking at selling vanadium. We've been selling some vanadium at uh, you know really nice margins over what it costs us to produce it. And um, so, you know, we've got the ability to go back into production with recycling some of our uh, tailing solutions. Uh, we can mine some of our vanadium mines. Uh, yeah, we've had people uh, kind of inbound us on, uh, you know, looking at, you know, sources of vanadium flow batteries. Uh, there is, um, you know, there's, there's, you know, similar to, um, you know, the Sprott uranium fund, there, there, there's actually a fund being set up for vanadium as well by Largo. And, and I think Sprott has some involvement in that as well, too. So the vanadium market is also healthy. Uh, we plan to, to, to monetize some of the vanadium as the price goes up. And again, this is just another arrow in our quiver that others don't have. Uh, but then we also look at replenishing that vanadium to always have a nice inventory that we can move quickly. The vanadium market is so spiky that you got to have inventory. And I think I may have mentioned to you long ago that we are basically following the union carbide plan. And the union carbide always had a substantial inventory of vanadium they could move quickly because it was so spiky, you could never capture that value uh, if you didn't have it on the ground in a drum. Understood. No, understood. I just think it's, um, it's a because it's been spiky, it's a very interesting space, uh, certainly of recent years, and it's been hard to invest in, hard to get get behind. But with the Largo ETF, which they're setting up, I'm just interested in the the kind of creativity around solutions for smoothing those curves on on um, how, how you monetize vanadium, and obviously, you know, having an inventory is 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 another fine way of doing that too. Okay, in interesting times in the world of vanadium uh, and you've got a stack of it. Uh, rare earth stuff, we don't need to go over too much, uh, we, we, we kind of went into the weeds to say two weeks ago, but needless to say, as part of the critical US, critical minerals hub, this is a very important part, I think, of your recent va value creation. And 
what what's happening in that outside of um you know just just in terms of the your 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 JV but what's happening in terms of the marketplace in terms of inbounds and conversations from other other groups um whether it be US government whether it be um groups trying to understand what how they could JV with you well again it's 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 very active uh i think as i said in that panel that you know the 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 key limiting factor for us at the moment is securing additional sources of monazite sands because we could be processing uh, probably 10,000 tons of monazite sands, 5,000 REO, which would be like a quarter of a linus um, right now if we have the sand. Now, I think we're going to sort that out. Um, we're working on the um, separation. We've signed up uh, Carister out of France for a, a multi-year arrangement, multi-year arrangement to get us through separated oxides. I'm excited about that because we've got the world leaders in the treatment of, of monazite sands and separation of monazite feeds. Um, working very closely with us. Uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, people calling us, yeah, we're, we're, we're getting a lot of inbounds. And, and, and right on from the uh, end users, uh, some of the, uh, you know, more significant uh, car manufacturers, um, uh, and, and including, you know, some of the trading houses that trade rare earths. So it's, it's coming together. I, I, I wish I could tell you who you know we're talking to with regard to supplying the monazite sands right now. I hope to hopefully in this uh, first half of the year, but certainly by the second half, I hope to materially show uh, that we've got the molecules coming into the plant to be a world um, scale um, producer of rare earth products at the White Mesa Mill. Okay, I mean, how hard? Sorry, I mean, you know. You could go up today and pick up monocyte if you if, if you if you pay the price, right? You could go right. I'm just going to buy buy some monocyte, process it, extract the rare earths, and then you know you know monetize that again. So there's so there's an easy fix, but it's not necessarily the best fix. You're looking for something what like that more sustainable or sustaining or a different way of looking at the economics. I mean, what what what's stopping you actually going out and, and picking up some monocyte tomorrow? Well, first of all, I don't know if anybody really knows what the price of a ton of monocyte is. There's, there's a price that comes out of China, and there's really one person that, that says what that price is. Um, well, we, we are you know, trying to expand our relationship with, with Kimors. Um, and you know what's interesting is a, a ton of monocyte sand in that 50 60% um, REO, um, TREO basis uh, current prices recovered uh, separated oxides of, of the main value uh, elements in that ton is now worth $30,000 per ton. Okay. $30,000 a ton. So, you know, if you start looking at um, say the thousand, um, thousand tons that, that we're processing currently with Kimors and, and, and that was short from what, you know, we originally had planned on, or they were, they had agreed to, uh, you know, that's $30 million of contained rare earth oxides on that very, very small contract alone. So, but that's assuming you go through the, the separations. Now we don't have the ability to do that right now. So a little bit goes a long ways. So, you know, I've talked about, you know, sort of a, a phase one that I'm looking for upwards of 20,000 tons of monazite sands, uh, equivalent to what we get from Kimors per year. Well, 20,000 times 
30,000 is a lot of money. And even 10,000, uh, if we don't get to the 20, you know, up front is a lot of money. So, you know, we're talking about a very material business opportunity for our company. And we're looking at a number of ways to get there. And, um, you know, I can't tell you exactly how we're looking at it, but I, we're still talking to probably a half a dozen people right now. And they're very keen to work with us on that front. But looking, looking at the economics, does that affect your ability to negotiate? Because they must be looking at this thing and going, well, th these guys are going to make a ton of cash. I, I want a piece of that. That's, you know, negotiations just got tough because, you know, you found a way of extracting way more value than, than they can. Yeah. Look, we, we, both parties have got to win here. Okay. So we're, we're looking at ways of securing exclusivity of material and having like some sort of profit share. Um, and I said, I'm not going to go into details because it can vary depending on the sources and the quality of the material. But you know, we're coming up with some creative ways to show people that we can get to that world scale and still be very, very profitable. So, um, okay, you know, so, so that's, a more positive, that's a more positive way of framing it than I did in the sense I was thinking, well, maybe they're going to use it to you know, twist your arm, but in actual fact, you can use it to incentivize them potentially. Interesting. Exactly. You Interesting. know, the, the, the original owner of Energy Fuels used to say, a deal's got to be good for you and it's got to be good for me. Otherwise, it's not a good deal. So, so we're trying to, to, you know, collaborate with others to come up with a win-win for, 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 for both sides. Uh, I think that there's, you know, some, again, some really su substantial opportunities there. And I think it's unique to the type of creative approach that Energy Fuels is trying to create value and the things that we're, we're, we're looking to produce on a sustainable basis going forward do, do and cost-effective basis. Absolutely. Um, do you look at where you're at in terms of share price? It's as high as it's been since I've been talking to you uh, in three years. Um, it, your market cap, I say $2 billion Canadian, uh, very, very nice. You, you, you're of a size where you get interesting uh, for the, the big funds. Um, you know, so that, that that's that's a nice place to be. But do you think that it it gets it gets difficult now, doesn't it? In, in, in a way, because you're now going to have to start delivering all of these things because you've you've been attributed some value. You're going to need to start delivering these things quickly into this year. And I know you can't, your balance sheet looks good, the cash position is is strong, um, and the market is is in your favor at the moment. But it it wouldn't take much. For the market to kind of you know re reset down, and, and I'm just wondering, and again, so how do you, how do you play it? Because you've always been cautious, but do you continue in that vein, or do you think now's the time to take a chance? You know, we, we're always willing to take a chance if we think it it makes sense. And and yeah, the bigger your market cap, the people start saying, oh, you're overvalued and you haven't delivered. And um, but I think you know we are delivering, but it takes time. And and I think that's you know people are betting on the future. And, you know, when you look at what we're doing, um, both, you know, and all the, the elements that we're looking at producing, I think, you know, we surprised the market on the upside, uh, you know, with making a profit last year, we're going to try to, uh, you know, repeat that or coming close to repeating that year, this year with, with um, you know, some of the trading stock we have, but ultimately we're going to do what we think is best for the shareholders. When you look at the rare earth producers, alone. Okay. And, and, and we trade as your aim stock, um, Matt, you know that we trade, you know, if, 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 if we're overvalued, then everybody else in the uranium business is overvalued too. But we are trying to chase 
the MPs and the Linuses that have market caps of six to eight billion US, not Canadian, six to eight billion US. And as I said, right now, without any additional investment, we can do, at least from a carbonate perspective, probably about a quarter of Linus in terms of REO basis. Now, we still have to do the separation. So we are moving quickly and we're proving what we can do. And as you, you, know, you saw on the panel, I, I appreciate you having that panel because I think it was a really good forum. Uh, you know, working with, with uh, Neil and Constantine and Jack Lifton and Brock O'Kelly, um, you know, we've got a great team, including our people. Our people are great. They're wonderful. They are not afraid to go the extra mile. Matter of fact, a lot of them have worked a lot of late nights, a lot of late nights, including myself, but, but our guys on the ground are, are going for it right now. So, um, you know, but we have to show that we're getting there. And when we get the molecules, people are going to be able to do the math and figure that out. Well, I think that's an interesting bit to this equation. It's uh, you, you've helped us with some of the maths, and uh, I guess it's a question of you coming back and telling us how much monazite you've secured and uh, for for how long. Um, it, it's exciting times on that front as well. It's also exciting times on on the uranium uranium front for sure. You know, it's a former producer, um, I, and and um, with your track record elsewhere in the world producing uranium. I guess you're looking forward to um, rolling sleeves and getting back into that. I, I, I can't help but uh, wonder what's the order of play in terms of, you know, who's going to be producing, when they're going to be producing, what price they're going to be producing at and what they're going to need to be incentivized uh, to even attempt to. Because there's a lot of talk and now it's when the rubber hits the road, you got to deliver, right? Yeah, and I, it is going to be interesting. And, and I think the, the thing that a lot of investors don't realize is that most uranium projects fail. Okay, they fail. And there are failures coming. There's going to be successes, but there's going to be more failures than successes. So, yeah, the rubber's got to meet the road. Um, there's, there's, you know, the cost of, you know, new capital for certain companies. Uh, there's the technical risks that haven't been fully um, ran to ground. There's the inflationary pressures. There's lack of technical skills. You know, all these things are going to come to roost. And and history says, I think there was a uh, study done or a report done by the World Nuclear Association back in about, I think it was about 2008. Um, and it said that of all the people that were promising to produce uranium, only 10% of that production made it to the market, actually, 10%. That's a shocking figure because there were so many fallouts. And I, you know, I won't go into details there, but there were a lot of fallouts when you look at all the projects that were coming up and coming in. And I think it was maybe published a little later than 2008, but it was, they basically took what people said they were going to do. And then they said, well, this is what actually happened. And it was 10%. That's a horrific Number and I know, I know the, the 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 trade bodies think the, the trade trade tax of this what they they do try and factor that into the numbers they they discount heavily but they they didn't ever get to ten percent that's that's incredible uh, and and a, and a scary it, it may be higher this time than yeah. ten but but I tell you it's 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 not seventy five percent it's it's under fifty percent and and historically it's you know, yeah, 10, 20%, but that's what the WNA, and as I said, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but it, it would shock people at the fallout of who doesn't make it. 
Yeah, in, 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 it's absolutely incredible um, and, and terrifying um, in, in one breath. I guess that's why the utilities like to dish out sm- lots of small uh, term sheets and not back, you know, one big player until they've, I guess, proved themselves on, over over a period of time. So that's going to be the again, difficult one for a lot of these companies hoping to be able to get term sheets if indeed they can. Um, well, look, Mark, um Lovely, fantastically confusing times we uh, live in. It's great for metals of all uh, colors. Uh, yellow uh, doing particularly well uh, at the moment. Um, we will, you know, stand touch. Well, I'm sure we'll have lots to talk about in the next few weeks and months. And and uh, con- congrats on the 2021 numbers. It's always a pleasure, and it's you know always look forward to catching up, Matt.